Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of The Banker Next Door. I am your host, Dr. Joe Berquist. Uh, this week, I wanted to come and get everybody basically a, a banking and a market update just to kind of let everybody know what was going on out there in the world. So I have a number of bank articles that I want to share with everyone today, just kind of give everyone a flavor for kind of what's going on in the banking world right now. I also want to run through kind of a rundown of hot button, hot button regulatory topics that banks are looking at at the, the current moment. And then I want to kind of wrap up just talking about a few economic indicators. So, uh, but hang around till the end of the video if you can, because I'm going to talk a little bit at the end about, uh, I've kind of I've got a special episode uh, coming up that I'm going to be doing on unrealized losses on banks, bond portfolios that I think people will find uh, very fascinating uh, because it ties into the bank failures and things that happened earlier this year and uh, and how the, the bond market's really in a bad way. And that situation is not going to get much better anytime soon. But uh, but to do it, let's just kind of uh, get into it real quick here. And, and again, I'm just going to run through a lot of articles here, headlines, just to kind of give an overall flavor for, for what's going on. So to kind of kick it off, we have uh, U.S. banks, commercial real estate, delinquency ratio ticked up again in the second quarter. So we can see the delinquency ratio on commercial real estate loans at U.S. banks rose again in the second quarter through the sequential increase. Uh, was less steep than a quarter earlier, so it's going up, but it's not it's not going up super dramatically. Um, I just did an episode, which was my commercial real estate update. You might want to check that out if you want a little bit more information on kind of the co the commercial real estate market and where things are at right now at the moment. But uh, so commercial real estate delinquency continues to tick up a little bit more. Um, agricultural loans. Uh, rose in the second quarter with delinquencies at long-term loans. So, or, or I'm sorry, long-term lows. So agriculture loans at U.S. banks increased in the second quarter amid low delinquency rates as U.S. farmers' sentiments improved, uh, bayoud, uh, by expectations of better times ahead. So agriculture loans seem to be doing very good at the moment. Uh, don't seem to be too many issues there. Small business bankruptcies rising at the worst pace since the pandemic, according to the Wall Street Journal. So small business bankruptcy filings are rising this year, a signal that increasing interest rate, tighter lending standards and higher operating costs are straining entrepreneurs. At the same time, some government aid programs that helped entrepreneurs through the COVID-19 pandemic have ended. Uh, so this is definitely something we want to keep an eye on, but obviously, Right now, there's kind of a perfect storm hitting small business lenders. I mean, the, they have a massive increase in interest rates. So in other words, if, if small business lenders are carrying, uh, you know, business lines of credits, credit card debt, uh, if they have certain loans that are repricing at the moment, i.e. like if they've got commercial mortgages that are repricing, if they have term loans that are repricing, if um, if they have to, you know, if they got to purchase new vehicles or new equipment, obviously with the higher interest rates, those purchases are much more expensive right now. But then you've also got um, kind of a tightening of lenders, lending standards at banks that I'll uh, get to here in a couple in a couple minutes. Um, but, you know, you're seeing a, a definitely a contraction in the banking industry, which is only going to continue to get worse in the foreseeable future, where banks are really going to be pulling back on their or medium-sized businesses. So, you know, lending standards have tightened, interest rates have gone up, and obviously inflation is hitting businesses really hard. So in other words, the, the cost of goods that businesses have to, to buy to move along, uh, their inventory, 
uh, move along if they're if they're a manufacturer, move along their work in works in progress. Um, so obviously all those things hitting at the same time, and then you coupling that with again a lot of the pandemic programs um, that were in place, you know, finally kind of sunsetting, going away at the end here. So these things are all all piling up on small businesses right now. Now, on the M&A front, uh, U.S. Bank M&A has actually seen a, a resurgence here in the third quarter. So U.S. Bank M&A activity surged back to life in the third quarter with 34 deal announcements up from 20 and 25 in the first and second quarters, respectively. The total value of deals announced in the third quarter also surged to $2.76 billion from just $432 million in the first quarter and from $191 million in the second quarter. Third quarter deal, deal value was uh, boosted by a handful of large deals during the period. Bank of California and PacWest Bancorp's pending $1 billion tie-up marked the biggest U.S. bank deal so far in 2023. And Eastern Bank Shares' proposed $527 million acquisition of Cambridge Bancorp is on track to be the second largest transaction of the year. However, yearly activity still lags behind historic numbers because of the slow start to the year. Only 79 U.S. bank deals have been announced in the year so far up to September 30th, less than half of the 165 deals announced for the full year in 2022. The total deal value of $3.39 billion for the first three quarters of 2023 is just over one-third of the $9 billion in all of 2022. Now, I can say in the in the lead up, you know, 165 deal transactions last year. That might sound like a lot of deals, but it's actually not. I would say for uh, for about 10 years, uh, up until 2020, from like I would say from 2011 to 2020, uh, bank deals were definitely running over 200 transactions a year. Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 to 250 transactions a year on average. So banks were consolidating and de decreasing at a tremendous clip. Uh, so, I mean, ever since kind of 2020, when the pandemic hit, I mean, we have seen a slowdown. So basically 2020 was was one of the smallest years in, in a long time for, for um, bank merger transactions. But then, it, you know, it kind of picked up a little bit in 2021, picked up a little bit more in 2022. But then things have been uh, much have been much decreased this year, uh, primarily because of the pressures hitting banks right now uh, with the rising interest rates, with the bond portfolio, with the, the uninsured deposit issue, uh, which led to the four bank failures that hit the banking industry earlier this year and caused kind of a little bit of a of, of a panic in your your basically your mid-sized regional banks so uh but the MA activity has definitely picked up i would imagine that the MA activity will continue to pick up and probably continue to, to go through um over the next um quarter two quarters you know into next year we'll kind of kind of see what happens there a couple other things going on so uh to, a couple articles here from the wall street journal and uh, one from S&P uh, Market Intelligence. So tougher return to office policies are no remedy for half empty buildings. So and then there's another article here, employees resisting return to office calls as companies reimagine workspaces. So, again, uh, getting back to the commercial real estate note, the remote working uh, still having a major impact on commercial office space. Employees are really resisting that return to the office. Um, a lot of employers are it, it seem, is seemingly kind of talking tough at the moment, but not really 
delivering on that talk, basically saying they want workers to come back. And I do believe uh, based on these articles and based on things that I've just seen in the market that, that you know, workers are coming back more on like a, a hybrid schedule where they're working a couple of days a week and, you know, maybe they're they're not in the office on Mondays and Fridays. And, you know, it seems to me like the, the middle of the week uh, seems to be the primary time when when a lot of employees are coming back into the office. But, uh, you know, the offices are still half full. They're not being used anywhere near their their full capacity, which is causing a lot of companies to sit there and say, you know, hey, do we do we really need all this this office space? And uh, so that's you know that's causing up uh, you know again continued issues there in the commercial office you know office states office real estate component. Um, Federal Reserve, some Federal Reserve news here. So uh, the Federal Reserve has been losing money. Um, very interesting. I want to get into this here for a minute. So um, just want to start here in the right place. Uh, so the, the, the Fed has been experiencing due to the combination of its big holdings of treasuries and mortgages and the sharp increase in rates. Um, I didn't start in a good space there. So the, the Fed's assets surged, but by necessity, its liabilities also surged too. a bit more than a third of these it does not pay any interest on, meaning its meaning its liabilities, uh, such as currency and the circulation. But on most liabilities, it must, such as deposits at uh, such as deposits at the Fed held by banks and reserve repurchase agreements with money market funds, also known as the repo market and other short-term lenders. Uh, as the Fed raised its target rates on the federal funds rate from near zero at the start of last year to the current range of 5.25 to five and a half. It had to pay more and more interest on those deposits and repos. The Fed's losses don't represent a direct hit to the economy since the Fed accounts accounting works for the central bank just carries losses on its books to be washed away when it starts making profits. When the Fed turns a profit, on the other hand, it makes payments to the Treasury Department, which can help offset budget deficits. However, the Fed's recent accumulated losses do mean that even if it returns to profitability, it won't be contributing to the federal budget right away as it has to dig itself out of a hole. And the losses look likely to continue for a while, especially with Fed policymakers lately projecting that they don't expect to cut rates by very much next year, meaning payments to banks will stay elevated. Um, so basically what's happening there is as the Fed's assets have increased, the Fed's liabilities have also increased and the uh, interest that banks, the interest that the Fed has to pay out to banks uh, and also to the repo market, that liability has also increased, which has caused the Fed to lose money. Now, again, that doesn't mean that there's a direct impact to the economy, but those losses basically back up on the Fed's balance sheet. And the Fed, you know, the, that the kind of it's it's kind of like um, you call, I guess, like a tab. And as the as the Fed returns to profitability and begins making money, they will begin knocking down those losses, but it seems like in the near term, those uh, uh, the Fed is not going to be, be making money for a couple quarters here. So um, a couple other interesting news articles here. So uh, BlackRock and State Street were among money managers uh, now exiting more and more environmental, social and government investment, uh, S otherwise known as um, ESG, amid political backlash and investor scrutiny. Pensions and invested investments reported, uh, citing investment data aggregator Morningstar. Uh, as per the report, the number of liquidations of sustainable funds in the U.S. has been increasing over the last over the past years, uh, and more U.S. sustainable funds have closed in 2023 than the prior years combined. 
Investors pulled more money from the funds in the first half of 2023 than they put into them, the report said. So kind of interesting thing to take note. Um, indicating banks' efforts to lure younger clients with disposable money, music-related events, and properties now account for about 39% of the banking industry's total sponsorship portfolio, up from 25% in 2021, according to the American Banker. Citing data from sports and entertainment monitor uh, Sponsor United, over the past two years, bank sponsorships surged 165% for music festivals and 94% for concert venues. So, so it's kind of interesting that, uh, and again, I would imagine most of that that money's coming from the bigger banks. That's coming from Citibank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, but they're dumping a lot of music, um, you know, a lot of Swifties out there. <laughs> a lot of Swifties willing to pay fifteen hundred bucks to go to a, a concert. So, so uh, I guess they're I guess they're seeing that and reacting to that. Um, here's a more interesting story: uh, the failure of Eckert, Kansas-based. Heartland Tri-State Bank in July has been linked to a cryptocurrency scam in which former CEO Shane Haynes was reportedly forced to pay $12 million, reported by Bloomberg. Citing three unnamed sources, the Kansas Office of the State Bank Commissioner closed the bank on July 28th and appointed the Federal Deposit Insurance Corp. as receiver. According to Bloomberg's sources, the commissioner stepped in after a client raised concerns with the bank. Uh, now, it, it was, I think it is being reported that basically the CEO got caught in some kind of a crypto scam in which he went to one of the banks, either the biggest customer or one of the biggest customers, and basically asked them, asked this individual to lend the bank or, or lend him, the CEO, 12 million bucks to, I guess, take care of this. But a lot, you know, it's a very interesting story. Um, and then just to wrap it up, like the, the Kansas banking commissioner, David Herndon, said at the time of the closure that Heartland was declared insolvent because it was a victim of a scam. The, S the FDIC, which is conducting the review of the failed bank, declined to comment to Bloomberg. Haynes, who has not been accused of wrongdoing, did not respond to the media outlet's detailed questions. So uh, can't wait. To, can't wait for few more months on that one to hear what all the details were on that. But definitely one of the, I would say, stranger stories that we've seen in the in the banking industry um, coming out the last few weeks. So um, very quickly, let's get into some of the regulatory issues and things that are that are coming in here. So uh, what are some of the hot button issues, things going on with bankings right now? Well, we got the FDIC is still talking about a special assessment on banks. Uh, there's a Durbin-Marshall Amendment expanding le legislation. Uh, this is legislation to create new credit card routing mandates. Uh, I'll have to talk more about that in another episode. This is a whole interesting conversation on that. Um, congressional challenges to the 1071 rule, which is a rule from the Dodd-Frank Act, which would require banks to report um, a lot more information on business loans. Um, cannabis banking. Um Still looking to create a safe harbor from federal sanctions for financial institutions that serve cannabis-related businesses in states where cannabis is legal. Uh, climate, rate, climate risk regulation, uh, crypto assets, decentralized finance, uh, you know, basically unregulated crypto assets, including stable coins, as well as decentralized finance or DeFi, threatened to disintermediate community banks and heighten risks for wider economy and must be brought within the regulatory perimeter. Uh, central bank digital currency, something I'll be doing an episode on and definitely talking a lot more about, um, supporting agriculture, 
tax incentives for community bank agri agriculture and home loans, uh, SBA lending and non-bank fintechs. The SBA, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, the SBA basically opened up their platform to a lot more lenders, including a lot of um, you know non-bank fintechs in the last few months to try to drive additional lending, uh, get additional lending out there to um, small business owners. Uh, I probably should address that and talk about that at some point. Um, CRA modernization, Community Reinvestment Act modernization, that's been been working, been worked on for a little bit now. Uh, clawback, clawback of bank executive compensation, another thing uh, looking at, and then just kind of overdrafts. Um, so we'll keep an eye on a number of those regulatory hot button items, and then we'll, uh, um, you know, I'll, I'll continue to report on a couple of those and probably some additional episodes, especially the cryptocurrency that that needs its own episode because uh, there's a lot there's a lot kind of happening, a lot going on there. Um, just wanted to. OK, so let's go in. Let's take a look at. OK, let's take a look at rates real quick. Just wanted to point out here. So we got the, the 10 year note. Uh, basically is sitting at 4.804%. Uh, for anybody who doesn't watch uh, CNBC, Rick Santelli kind of dropped the bomb uh, this week, basically saying that you should expect to see rates of 13, 14%. Um, JP Diamond basically came out this week. It said you should expect to see rates of 7%. Uh, obviously not good signs. And they basically, you know, the 10-year the note is extremely important because everything uh, that, that really drives our, the best way I could share it, that really drives your life. I mean, that, I mean, everything, most things get priced off of the 10 year note. And so that being at 4.8% is, is not a, a good omen at the moment. So, and then coming down here, we could see that the, uh, the wall street journal prime rates currently at five or eight, eight and a half percent. Um, 30-year mortgage went over 8% this week, is currently standing at 8.07. 15-year mortgage is at 7.2%. Uh, the jumbo mortgage is over 8%. Uh, the five-year arms at 6.78. And then, you know, new car loans stand at 7.8%. So regardless of saying, um, interest rates are, have gone way up and, um, you know, definitely having a, definitely having an impact on, on what's going on there. Um, so just things to keep an eye on, uh, hopefully this kind of gave you a little bit of update for what's going on right now. Um, not a tremendous amount of good news, but, uh, but just a lot of things happening in general. And, um, you know, so I'll get, I'll definitely get back. I'll get into a lot more of these, these items in more detail in future episodes. Uh, stick around. I've got another episode, like I said, coming up on unrealized uh, losses and bank bond portfolios that I think people will find very interesting. Uh, please make sure to like and subscribe and share if you're liking what you're seeing with the podcast episodes. And uh, make sure to go in and check out the bankernextdoor.com. And remember that we are on YouTube, Rumble, and all major podcast platforms. Hope to talk and see everybody again real soon. Thanks a lot.